Our gospel reading comes to us from John chapter 12, starting with verse 20. So let us listen again for God's word to us. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. For those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. These are the words of Scripture. Thanks be to God. I have a love-hate relationship with the Gospel of John. I love all those stories and teachings that John gives us that the other Gospels don't have like the woman at the well, the water changed into wine at the wedding, the um, extensive teaching about the Holy Spirit, the comforter and the helper, and that foot, foot washing scene at the Last Supper. But John was written a long time after Jesus's earthly life and after a lot of time was spent thinking about the meaning and significance of Jesus's teachings. The author had time to distill the essence of Jesus' ministry, and all of which makes his storytelling awkward. Everything is black or white, either or, and the chronology seems whimsical. In John's gospel, odd things happen. People make requests that seem legitimate, like those Greeks who said, we want to see Jesus. But the cryptic response they get is, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's also odd that people come to see Jesus like the Greeks, and John tells us in a detailed way that first they come to ask Philip, and then Philip goes and talks to Andrew, then Philip and Andrew go and talk to Jesus, and then the Greeks disappear from the page. In fact, Jesus' following comments don't have any obvious connection with those Greeks, so it's irritating. So my love-hate relationship with the Gospel of John. 
Now, did you notice what I just did? I did what the Gospel of John does. I characterize my relationship with John's Gospel as black or white, love or hate. And surely, it's more complicated than that. And when I give examples of stories I love in John, I didn't list them in chronological order. So, I guess I should be easier on John for arranging his Gospel as he did. He knew what he was doing, and we're meant to understand. So, instead of thinking about this text like a documentary film, let's think of it as a collage, very carefully constructed, but not according to any kind of linear sequence in time or space. It's not a collage of memories only, but a combination of memories and theological reflection about the significance of those memories. So we're going to see that John made this elaborate collage because he was passionate about issues of vital importance, life and death, meaning versus meaninglessness. And these are exactly the same issues that are critical for every one of us here today. Nearly all of us in this congregation have fewer days ahead of us than we have already lived. We don't have time to lose. It is of vital importance that we can say, my life had meaning. I was put here for a purpose, and I am fulfilling that purpose. The Gospel of John presents us with only two options. Find your life or lose it. Love your life or hate it. John's collage of Jesus' teaching was mostly using black and white, vivid contrasts, either or, with no middle ground. And maybe that seems naive and simple-minded, but we live that kind of life all the time. We make choices, and every choice in favor of one option forecloses another. We decide to marry, and suddenly the single life is over. We become homeowners, and suddenly we're responsible for everything in the house. We move, we become parents, we vote, and each time we decide on one option against the alternatives. There are many either-or choices. Find life or lose it. Love your life or hate it. One of the other. Both is not an option. And the difference is not a secret for John. It's not a mystery. It's summed up in Jesus. Follow Jesus or don't. And that makes all the difference. Following Jesus in this black and white collage involves exactly one choice. It's the ones, the one that the Greeks who wished to see Jesus made. So Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. Where I am. That may sound initially peaceful and calm, but that idea is shattered quickly. Where is Jesus? Where will following Jesus lead? He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This 
whole picture from the Greeks who want to see Jesus to the crowds who are confused is about one thing. The meaning of life is lost if it is consumed with the self and it is found if it is given away. We are not here for ourselves. We are here to lose our lives on behalf of others. This is the ultimate conundrum. Hang on to that single grain of wheat. Keep it in the closed fist. Guard it against all risk. And it remains alone. But let it go. Let it fall to the ground and get buried. And suddenly you have it back, multiplied. And this is exactly the path that Jesus showed us. He poured out his life to the point of being lifted up on a cross. And according to John's reflection, the hour of his crucifixion was the hour of his, in which he was most glorified. He was the seed that was buried. And look at the fruit that has sprung up, a huge harvest. Where Jesus is, we follow. Yes, even to the cross. Wherever Christians lay down their own claims to living for themselves, we are making a valued judgment against selfish and materialistic values. We are driving out the ruling idea that life consists in the abundance of possessions. Instead, John's Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. It's not a future event. Now, right here, today, the, the perspective that says life consists in having, in accumulating, in possessing, is judged as false. The idea that the goal of life is to maximize comfort, our comfort, and to minimize our pain is simply false. The world that operates by those values is indeed a lost one. But the life that is lived embracing the pain of others, the life that dies, dives into the soil like a seed and buries itself in the ground on behalf of a suffering world, bears much fruit. Embracing suffering is counterintuitive. That's why John brings into his collage that picture of the thundering voice of God from the heavens. The people hear it and know that this path, the path that Jesus led, that led Jesus to the cross, the path of self-sacrifice and suffering is the right one. The voice of God affirms, this is the life that glorifies God. The great payback for a life given away is that it is a found life, not a lost one. Give a cup of water in Jesus' name and suddenly your thirst is quenched. Clothe the naked and suddenly your closet feels more full. Visit the prisoners and the shut-ins, and suddenly you don't feel so much alone. Look back on your life. There are lots of purchases you may regret, but do you regret one dollar that you spent on behalf of other people's pain? We all waste a lot of time 
in our lives. But do you regret one minute that you've spent on behalf of other people's suffering? No. In fact, it is just those dollars and those moments that we remember when we're trying to answer the question, what has my life meant? The answer is not that I lived with the ideal of the golden mean, that never anything in excess, but rather that I dived headlong into the earth, into the soil of humanity and got dirty and spent my life recklessly. Jesus asked the question that we all need to ask, and he answered it for us. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. For this reason, we are here, not for ourselves alone, not to watch more hours of television, not to obsess about the weather or the economy or politics, but to live meaningful lives that bear fruit, the fruit of compassion, the fruit of advocacy, the fruit of allyship, the fruit of speaking truth to power, the fruit of standing up for people who've been knocked down, the fruit of speaking up for people whose voices have been suppressed, as Jesus did. The hour is now.